Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today's birth story is with Danielle Ford, whose first birth happened when she was very young and not very educated in the process. It included a long induction and an epidural, and it wasn't until getting pregnant 10 years later that she realized she carried a lot of trauma from birth number one. So what did she do differently the second time around to help her heal and have a much better experience? Let's find out. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Megan Othling, a fabulous birth doula and childbirth educator in Albuquerque who is all about offering women the information and support they need to make their own empowered birth choices. Learn more at womanofvalorbirth.com. This episode of Birthful is also brought to you by Expectful, an evidence-based guided meditation app created specifically for those trying to conceive pregnant or new moms. Learn more and sign up for a free full month trial at expectful.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. Thanks again for all the love you give the show. And if you like what you hear, do make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. To best support this podcast, please support its sponsors, which in today's case are Megan Othling, Expectful, and Simply Breastfeeding. And if you want to truly prepare for those first few weeks with your newborn, do more than just survive them, then go to birthfulcourses.com and sign up for my Thrive With Your Newborn online postpartum preparation classes. Do it now before baby arrives. All right. Danielle Ford is here today to share her two contrasting birth stories and how preparing differently played a huge role in how she was able to show up and navigate everything that birth threw at her and ultimately find closure for the trauma from her first birth. These stories have a bit of everything, including an induction, an epidural, postpartum depression, birth trauma, infertility, self-advocacy during pregnancy, natural labor, doula support, and finally a redemptive labor with fetal ejection reflex, which is like, oh, holy grail. It happens. It's, it happens. I see it more and more every time. So I am so encouraged by that. And of course, I can't wait to hear more about Danielle's story. So welcome, Danielle. I am really happy to have you here today. And you are a fellow Rochester dweller, Rochester, New York. Yay! Yes, yes. Um, which is funny because we don't actually know each other, even though we live in the same town, which is like, I don't know everybody in Rochester, duh. But... Right. Um, I love it when it happens this way that it's through the podcast that I connect with people who live here. It's it's like a, I don't know, it's just, it, it makes me happy. It's so amazing. And it's funny, um, my doula I use, you're one of her backup doulas. Um, so the, the weekend before I went in labor, I was supposed to go to a meeting and meet meet all the backup doulas and I wasn't feeling well and you were going to be there I wasn't feeling well so I didn't go I was like oh my gosh I'll be like a fangirl like oh meeting Adriana uh, yeah so it's really funny well I'm sorry you weren't feeling well but I, right. I I hear the birth went well let's yeah. let's talk about that um, yeah. and start by telling us a little bit about yourself sure um, so I am Danielle. I'm uh, married to my husband, Bill. We are just about to celebrate our five-year anniversary in just um, just like a week or so. Um, I live here in Rochester, upstate New York, and I work in the hospital. I'm an x-ray technologist at one of our local hospitals, and my husband is an ICU nurse at a different local hospital. So we're definitely a medical household. 
Um, I have a 10-year-old from a previous relationship, so we'll hear about his birth a little bit. And then we just welcomed our daughter. She's three months today. Happy three months. Yes, yay. Oh, that's a milestone. So yeah, yes. yeah. Very cool. So do you want to touch upon the 10-year-old's birth first? Because yeah. I, I, you know, that's your first encounter with birth. So what were your thoughts then about what you wanted the experience to be, if you remember, and how did that match up? What happened? Yeah, I laugh to say if I remember because it's been so long, I feel like I've forgotten so much of it. Um, so I didn't, that's the thing is I really didn't have a lot going into that birth. I actually lived um, down in the Southern Tier, which in a very small town at, at the time. And I think the education around birth uh, was very, very different from what it is here and what it is now. Um, so I took classes, you know, just like a basic one day class. And that's really it. I didn't, I didn't do any other preparation. I, I watched, um, there was a birth show on at the time. And I feel like I watched that all the time. And that was my perception of birth was that show, which was very cut and edited to be a show. So that's kind of where I went into this birth my second birth differently. Um, but other than that, his birth was, or his pregnant, the pregnancy was pretty uneventful. It was a very typical, just nausea in the beginning, no major problems until the end. Um, I had high blood pressure starting at 36 weeks and it was very high. So they monitored me. Um, there wasn't really any talk of any medicine or anything, but at 39 weeks, I still hadn't showed any signs of labor and they put me on bed rest and I was on bed rest until 41 weeks. So for the last two weeks of pregnancy, I was on the couch, on my bed, pretty miserable trying to keep my blood pressure down. And they never really diagnosed me with preeclampsia, but I was very close. My blood pressures were very high. So they ended up inducing me at the 41 week mark. And at that point I was I was not dilated. I was not a face, which doesn't mean anything because you can change in, you know, at any time. But it made the induction very hard because I was going from just nothing and not prepping my body the last few weeks because I had just been laying in my bed rest. Um, so they induced me and it was a really hard induction. I was in labor for about 29 hours. And because I wasn't really in the birth world quite yet. And I just didn't know. I, I just laid there on my back the whole time. I labored on my back. I got the epidural. I pushed him out on my back. So I, I think about it now. And I, I just did whatever the doctors and midwives and nurses told me. I just, I didn't really advocate. I didn't know to. Um, and thinking about all, I, thinking now, I didn't really realize that I had trauma associated with that birth until I started doing research and getting into the birth world and learning what a doula was and learning how to take care of myself and learning about the options and, you know, what is necessary and what isn't necessary. Um, mm. So it, it was a tough labor. It was, it was a long labor. It was a lot of pushing. It was a lot of interventions and my body didn't really do any of the work. It was all really medicalized and I didn't get skin to skin. They took him right away. There was no delayed cord clamping. There was meconium. Um, 
So it's just a lot of things that I think now, like, oh, if I just would have done this or if I would have done that, and who's to say if that's true or not? But I had a lot of those thoughts that maybe I could have changed the outcome of that had I known more. Yeah. And it, I mean, the more it's that thing of like, we know what we know when we know it and we do the right. best with that. Right. Um, yeah. And it's so hard. I find this is I, I appreciate you sharing this because I find this is a common situation where having a second birth makes you look back on the first one. And then yep. like in second pregnancy, and like you said, things that you didn't even know were there. Right. Surface. So. Right. What did you do to, once you realized, like when this this trauma started surfacing, how did you approach it? What did you do to, yeah, with it? I did every, I did everything. <laughs> so um, we got pregnant and right away I kind of had this, I'm going to do everything in my power differently. And so that way it's in my control. So I you know, ate healthy. I did yoga. I did meditation. I um, had a doula. That was like one of the first things we are going to get a doula because just everything I've heard about them is just nothing short of amazing. So I was like, we have to have a doula and give this second birth a shot. And if I still have high blood pressure and I said, I still have to be induced at the end of trying everything that I could try then I think I, I would have felt better just knowing that I did absolutely everything that I could. Um, cause I felt like I didn't that first, that first pregnancy. I felt like I didn't really, I, I wasn't very, um, proactive in, in the pregnancy and birth. So yeah, I did. I listened to birth pot, birth podcast, obviously birthful birth hour. I listened to every podcast I could get my hands on. And I felt like that prepared me because I got to hear, so many different stories. And I mean, every scenario under the sun, you know, you hear in, in a birth podcast. So that was really great pep preparation. Um, Ina Mae Gaskins, her book guide to childbirth was amazing. And there was so much information on what birth is just supposed to be like, we're just raw, natural, how it's supposed to happen and what our bodies are supposed to do. So all of these were just tools in my toolbox so that when I needed them or when I needed to um, just kind of have some, some evidence and some knowledge, I could pull on all of these resources. Yes. And it's just... Right. It just totally switches your perspective when you kind of go from being birth happens to you to you do the birthing. Yes. Yes, exactly. And so at that point, like if you're you do feel in control and there's you're more accepting of things around you because they're not happening to you. It's just circumstances, circumstances you are navigating. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. So. So, okay. You did all the things, all the preparation and, you know, were a little bit, you sort of processed your earlier experience and were bringing lots of flexibility into whatever was coming and had an amazing team. So then what happened? How did you know you were in labor? Yeah. So I always start my labor story 
a little bit earlier than labor actually started because it kind of builds up. Um, so at 33 weeks, we had a, a belly check and uh, we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. So we didn't know if, if baby, baby was small. Um, obviously it's a girl, we know that now, but she was measuring about four weeks behind. So we got an ultrasound um, and she was in like the 46th percentile. So there were no worries. And we just kind of went on. And at 37 and a half weeks, um, she was still measuring small. So we did another ultrasound and she was in the 11th percentile at this point. And her head was really small. It was in like the fourth and her belly was, I think in the third. So a lot of red flags were raised and they were really concerned that she was, that my placenta was starting to deteriorate. That was kind of the thought. Um, so they did a Doppler of her cord to make sure the blood flow was good. And it was, um, but they had said they wanted to induce me at 39 weeks because they thought that she wasn't getting the nutrients that she needed. Did they talk and, about uh, interuterine growth rates? Yes, you, yeah. Oh, I'd say yes, IUGER, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, they did, and I don't. they don't diagnose until they're under the 10th percentile. So she's mm. like, we're right, we're like right on the border of that. But she said, let's, uh, let's just get the baby out at 39 weeks before placenta starts to drop off even more. And I had done, I had done everything this whole pregnancy because in my head, I thought that I would get high blood pressure again. So I was like, I will keep myself as calm and healthy as possible to not get high blood pressure. And I hadn't. So then there's just this, like, we're just kind of hit with the, you know, the induction bomb because she was supposedly small based off of just that one ultrasound. So I remember the doctor leaving and I just hugged my husband and sobbed. I was like, we've, we, we've come this far. And I was, I was three centimeters dilated at that appointment at 37 and a half weeks. So I was like, we've, we've come this far and I've done so much. And obviously we want her, we want to be assured that baby is healthy, but it's just like, we've, induction was just dropped like it was nothing it was like well at 39 weeks we'll have you come in we'll get the baby out so that hit me pretty hard um and that was only 10 days away so she wanted us to do a non-stress test that following week just to make sure that baby was happy and healthy in there and we did and that was fine she was blissfully unaware um, but I had lost my mucus plug that weekend so I was like, yay, I'm three centimeters, lost my plug. Like my body is doing things. And at 41 weeks with my first one, I was, I was like nothing. So I was like, I've, I've made it this far already. And I'm only 37 and a half weeks. So we just kind of held on to maybe she'll come on her own time. So for fast forward to the next week, 38 and a half weeks, um, we got, we went back in the office and my blood pressure was high. So it was right. I mean, the cutoff that they, they like it to be is 140 over 90. And that's what it was. And so I was like, no, the blood pressure is high. Um, so she's like, well, we, we don't want it with your history. We don't want to risk pre preeclampsia. So we're going to get some lab work and I want to get another ultrasound and another non-stress test. Um, this was, this was Thursday. She wanted it all done that next day on Friday. So I 
totally naively said, so we'll see you. We have an appointment Tuesday, so we'll just get all the tests done and and then we'll just meet Tuesday and then we'll talk about the all the results then. And she was like, oh, no, no. If any of these come back, you're, you have to go get induced. Like if your blood work doesn't look good or if the ultrasound or non-stress test or your blood pressure doesn't look good, then you've got to go get this baby out. So... Of course, we had another devastating appointment, and I think I just hugged my husband and cried again. Like, we've just we've come so far, and we're so close, and we just have so many obstacles that we need to overcome. So, over the next 24 hours, um, like we had one, literally one test at a time. So the blood work came back, and the blood work was good. So we're like, oh, thank goodness we dodged that bullet. And then. I had the non-stress test and she was so happy in there. She was just like dancing and her heart rate, everything responded appropriately. So that was good. My blood pressure was good. And now we were just waiting on this last ultrasound to see if she's really in that 11th percentile. So we got an ultrasound and this is all like right in a row, all all Friday morning. And the measurements came back a lot bigger than they thought she was when in that last one when she was 11%. She was in like the 20, 20 something percentile. And we were like, this is amazing news. Like this is, this ultrasound is make or break induction and we really don't want to be induced. So yeah, um, I mean, yeah. that's such a, like, yeah, what a stressful Thursday to Friday. <laughs> I know. And too, there was a huge snowstorm, oh. huge, you know, as Rochester weather as we get. Um, yeah. And, and let's take a quick break. Yes. We will be right back. Great news, mighty ones. Now, Birthful listeners can get a free month trial at expectful.com. That's two more weeks of free meditation than before. And if you've been meaning to try meditation, then now is the perfect time for you to jump on this offer. Meditating is a great way to reset your nervous system and mindfully bring yourself back to calm. And this is really important because if your nervous system spends more time in high alert and doesn't get to go back to baseline often, then your body is in constant state of stress, which is not healthy. Meditating is a super easy way to make sure you break up those stress signals. The best part is that you don't have to sit for long hours to see the benefits. If you have five minutes, then you have time to meditate. And it becomes even easier when you use a meditation app like Expectful. I have tried other meditation apps, and I really like how the Expectful one is designed to address your pregnant or new parent needs by focusing on whatever you need at that moment. Whether it's better sleep, connection with baby and partner, embracing your identity, lessening stress, dealing with uncertainty, Expectful makes it super easy for you. And I gotta say, I really enjoy the voice of the person who reads the meditations. Go to expectful.com slash birthful to sign up for a free four-week trial and check it out for yourself. Yep, that's a free full month to try it out. And don't forget to add the slash birthful so you can get that free full month. So that's expectful.com slash birthful. We are talking to Danielle Ford. We're back. And you were at that pivotal moment of just got blood work and non-stress tests and an ultrasound to see if everything was going fine and you could continue to be pregnant or you would have to face an induction. What happened? Well, so we um, spoke with the the high-risk doctor who was there at the office for the ultrasound and he was very confident that there was no, there's nothing indicating that we needed to be induced, that 
everything looked great. And he thinks he thought maybe the 11th percentile ultrasound was off. And that one was made perhaps not as accurate. And that, yes, she's small, but nothing concerning. And we were like, well, this is like make or breaking the induction with our doctor. Like, can you put this in the notes so that she knows? And he was like, actually, I know your doctor really well. So I will write her a, a note saying that I don't feel that induction is necessary. So we were on cloud nine walking. Finally, we walked out of appointment and we were like, thank goodness. We dodged all of those bullets. We made it. And we went into the weekend just kind of like, all right, now, now we can give birth. Like, all right, now you can come. We know you're happy and healthy in there. I was still three centimeters. So I was like, let's do this. Let's, let's have a baby on our own accord. Um, so the weekend went by, nothing eventful over the weekend. And I wake up Monday with bloody show, which everybody knows bloody show means that things are happening. Some thing, changes are happening. So I had a bloody show and I was really mild period cramps. And I was texting my doula and she, later she's like, I had to laugh because you kept calling them period cramps. And she's like, no, that was, that was labor. That's what early labor is. So Monday, I just went through the day. Um, nothing ever got consistent on Monday. It was, my husband was at work. So I was like updating him and texting him all day. Um, nothing ever really got consistent. It was always just these clusters of period cramps. And I went to yoga that night. And I couldn't even do the yoga. I was just so uncomfortable and cranky. I remember my mom was in town that day to help. And she was like, Danielle, you're just being really mean today. I was like, I know. I'm sorry. I just, I don't feel good. And that was. You don't understand what is happening inside my body. I can be cranky. (laughs) Right, right. And so she's like, why don't you go take a nap? So I took a nap and she made some freezer meals for me. So that was amazing. But she, uh, she was here and. Yeah, so I went to bed, took, tried to take a nap, went to yoga that night, and when I got out of yoga, my sister and my mom were like, "Your your belly shape looks different. Like you, something, like, things are definitely changing." And I was like, "Yeah, I know. I I just don't feel good." So that night we we packed our car up because I knew things were happening. I just didn't know how quickly. But I really did not want to go into labor in the middle of the night. I just wanted a good night's rest. I wanted to sleep through the night. I didn't want to have to like wake up and like, be groggy. And so I was really hoping to get through the night. And we did. So we woke up Tuesday morning and I had even more bloody show and more just really uncomfortable period cramps. And we had an appointment with our OB that morning. So I, I was really nervous that my blood pressure was going to be high. So we like had escaped induction Thursday and Friday, but now if my blood pressure continued to be high, then, you know, preeclampsia was probably closer than we thought. And that, that meant we had to get the baby out. So I had read somewhere that if I I had lived, so I'd lived in the bath, backtrack a little bit. I lived in the bath. I had a lot of um, hip problems. So I took baths all the time and I had read that Epsom salt in the bath can help lower your blood pressure. And I have no idea if there's any truth to that. I think it's the, I think Epsom salt has magnesium in it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I am going to take a bath 
before we go to this appointment. And I drank so much water that morning. So I was like, I am doing everything I can. So we do not have a high blood pressure reading and we can just go on and just forget about this whole induction thing. So I drew up a bath real fast and I had this moment with my belly. This is like my favorite moment of pregnancy. I just put my hands on my belly and I just thanked her. And I thanked her for sharing my body with me and allowing me to carry her and allowing me to grow her. And I told her that I trusted her and that I knew that she would be here when she was ready. Oh, I love this moment. And I just told her that if I needed to be induced to get her out, that that was the healthiest thing and that I was okay with that. We had made it this far and we knew she was healthy. Um, And I accepted it. And then I got dressed and we went to our appointment. And I just, I love that moment. I loved that I took the time to thank her. And I think that she knew it and she heard me because we went to our appointment and my blood pressure was beautiful. It was great. And we yet again escaped the threat of induction. And so I asked the doctor, what do you think about sweeping membranes? And she said, I love it. If you are ready and your body's ready, it'll work. And if you're not ready, it won't work. So she swept my membranes there and I left the office in labor. And right now you were, we got to 40 weeks, right? I was 39. I was 39. 39 exactly. weeks, exactly. Right. Yep. So I, so I said, you know, what do we do now? And she said, this was her recommendation, hot sex and hot food. So <laughs> I was like, all right. I'm going to call this episode that. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, doctor's orders. Um, so I was like, well, let's, we, the office where we were was near our local conservatory. So I was like, let's go walk around. It's nice and warm there. I will ignore labor because that's what everybody tells you. Ignore contractions for as long as possible. And then we'll go get some Mexican food. It was great Mexican food and nice spicy tacos. And that was our plan. So we got to the conservatory and walked for maybe 45 minutes. And I, I was like, there's no way I can sit to eat food. Um, so maybe we should just grab something and go home and eat lunch. And uh, I won't be able to eat tacos. I was really bummed about that. So we ended up getting subs. And I went home and I'm, I told my husband, we're just going to watch a show and I'm going to eat the sub and then I'm going to start timing them when I'm done, but I'm going to enjoy this sub. So I did. And by the end of it, I couldn't chew through the contractions anymore. And I was like, we should probably um, let our doula know what's going on, which we had been keeping her updated anyways. We should probably keep her posted and we should also start timing these. So our appointment was at 10 in the morning and this is now noon. So this is only two hours later. So he starts, my husband starts timing them and they were by like a half an hour, 40 minutes in of timing. They were lasting for 45 seconds to a minute and they were two minutes apart. So I got kicked into high gear pretty quickly and I was like, no, we're ignoring these. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go do the dishes. So I'm doing the dishes and we're like texting my duel. And I, she asked, how's Danielle hand, handling them? And Bill goes, well, she's dancing and doing dishes right now, which I just oh. thought was funny. 
I love it. Yeah, that's great. So I was like, I'm going to, like, in my head, I'm like, well, we also have to time these for an hour. That's that's the rule, right? It's like 311 or 511. Rules, schmules. I know, right? (laughs) That's kind of, that's what he was saying. But I was like, no, we have to have a time for an hour. Um, And he's, like, pacing around the house. And luckily, our car was already packed from the night before. So we were set in that aspect. Um, So then... I texted my sister and I was like, I'm going to try to go, like, I'm going to go another half an hour and then I'm going to go in. She was like, you should probably go now. And I was like, all right, I will go now. So it was like one, one thirty by the time we got in and got there and they admitted me right away. I was admitted by two. And the wonderful part is my doula was gracious enough to keep a timeline. So the rest of my labor, I actually do have a timeline, which is awesome. Um, and I so can I've hear got, you shuffling your, your papers yeah. that you have your notes. Loud, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Um, so we got admitted and I had a birth preferences sheet. Um, so I, I didn't want to make a birth plan because in my head, I didn't want to get stuck to this idea of a plan. And I had listened to your podcast about birth preferences. And I just thought that was such a good idea to say, this is how I prefer things to go. But I understand because birth doesn't go according to plan. Birth goes how it wants to go. Um, so I gave them my birth preference sheet and they were okay with me not having a Heplock. Um, I was only three, I was three and a half centimeters. So I had made a little bit of progress from the morning and I asked for a tub and the tubs were being worked on. So they, none of the labor floor had birthing tubs. Oh, yeah, was, no, that's going to be remembered in Rochester. It has, uh, Rochester has, as you know, black plague of the tubs yeah, because yeah. You, it was like you, for three months. Yes. Oh, I was so bummed because, like I said, I lived in the tub. I would take baths once, twice, sometimes three times a day just to get relief. So I was so looking forward to the bathtub. So she's like, I'm sorry, we don't have a tub, but we will give you a nice big shower. Um, so it made up for it a little bit, but I still, I still wish I had that tub. Um, so they put me in a room and it was so wonderful. They really just let me labor. Um, they didn't, they didn't put monitors on me. They just came in and checked her periodically, which was wonderful. They didn't put the Heplock in, which, um, is the IV. They were okay with me, um, not putting that in. And, we had candle. We had the fake candles, and I hung up my birth affirmations. Um, and we we tried different positions. We tried the rebozo, which I actually hated it during labor, and I loved it for pregnancy. Like I would have my husband like hip squeeze with it when I was uncomfortable, but I didn't like any of the things that we tried during labor. Um, I had my music, and it's funny I thought I had these playlists of like nice calming yoga music and really relaxing playlist. And I ended up the whole time having this like jammy, we're big fish fans, the band fish. So we played fish the entire time we were there and I didn't want relaxing music at all. So that changed. Um, but they were really wonderful. The hospital was great. They just let me labor. They didn't, come in and bother me only when they had to, they were very accommodating. So it was really, I was happy about that. Um, and about an hour in, 
hour and a half into laboring, I, I sent you a picture. Our wedding song came on, on my playlist, which I didn't know was on there. And my husband was so amazing. And he, there's a picture of us and he's just like holding my head and we're kind of forehead to forehead. And we're just crying in this contraction of our wedding song on. And it was, a, and my doula captured that moment. She, she took a picture real quick. So I love that picture. And that's one I shared with you. Mm, and uh, it will be on the show notes. I'll yeah. post it for sure. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Breastfeeding, it may be natural, but that sure does not mean it's easy. It's a learning process for both you and baby, and like most learning processes, it takes a lot of trial and error. However, this trial and error can sometimes come with a lot of crying, and not necessarily only from your baby. Help lessen the crying and frustration by arming yourself with some solid knowledge. A great way to prepare for this is by taking the Simply Breastfeeding Online class created by breastfeeding experts Cindy and Jana. In their class, you'll learn to recognize what your baby is telling you and how to meet your baby's needs starting in the very first hour after birth. You'll also understand the basics of breastfeeding and be able to return to them if you encounter difficulties, and you'll feel confident knowing the answers to most frequently asked questions. Lessen your anxiety and frustration and relax knowing you've got this. Go to birthful.com slash simply breastfeeding to learn more. And as a Birthful listener, you get 15% off if you use the code BIRTHFUL when you register. Go to birthful.com slash simply breastfeeding or click the link on the show notes to get you on your way. And we're back talking with Danielle Ford about her birth story. So, Danielle, that was such a lovely moment of you and your husband just connecting with your wedding song during labor. And yeah, the picture is beautiful, too. Um, so from there, how did it continue? So I, the, the position that I kind of kept coming back to was I was standing and leaning over the bed. They raised the bed really high. And I would just kind of rock and dip my hips. So most of the time I was standing through contractions. Um, by, but I was exhausted. It was so tiring just to stand for that long. So then for a while I laid on my side with a peanut ball between my legs. And that helped. I was able to kind of rest and get off my feet for a little bit. But I don't think it was doing very much. It was just allowing me to rest. I was Which is my... huge, by the way. That's, let's not knock that. Yeah. That's, I, didn't, I did need it. Um, and one thing in my in my bag that I packed was like the, the squeeze pouches that, that kids eat, they have like applesauce in it and they just have like a little disposable cap. They make those with that are protein pouches. So I threw two in my bag and I was resting and laying on my side and my husband would give me, he would like, you know, squeeze a little bit of the pouch between contractions. And that was the most amazing thing I recommend it for any laboring woman because it was just, I got that protein. I got a little bit of sugar. I got something in my mouth and something in my stomach. And I, I laugh in my doula's notes. She put 430 squeeze pouch perked up because I, I needed that and I didn't want to chew or eat anything. So that, that's my recommendation to any mom is throw some of those in your bag. Um, so I just labored for the next few hours, kind of going between like on the bed and standing up and it, 6:45. I had been there for, you know, quite a few hours since since two o'clock, and I had decided that I wanted to be checked. 
And this was something I had kind of battled with because I didn't want to be checked too often because that doesn't mean anything. And the progress is only a number and it doesn't mean anything. But I decided that I wanted to be. And in my head, you know, you kind of prep every time you get checked, like, well, I'm either going to be ready to push or I'm not. So, you know, what are, what are we going to do with this number? So I ended up being five centimeters when they checked me at 645. And that really, I still kind of, I regret getting checked, but it was my decision. It wasn't anyone asking me to be checked, but I wish I wouldn't have done that because it was really defeating because you go, well, I've been here for four hours and it's only been a centimeter and a half. And you start doing that math, which just happens in every laboring mom's brain. It's like you do the math. It's so hard not to because we've like we we everywhere we're told that birth progresses because of those numbers. So we've given them value and they don't really mean that much. It's just a snapshot of that moment. Like if yeah. I you took a picture of me and I'm sticking out my tongue, that doesn't mean that my tongue's out all the time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And, and I love that you saying okay, thinking about it and it's like, what am I going to do with this number? Like, what will this give me? That's yeah. really important to ask. Yeah. 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 That was a reminder from my doula. I, I keep coming back to my doula because she was such a pivotal part of this entire labor. So she, Can she you say her name. Like I'm happy yes. to give her a shout out. Yeah. Yes. It's Bridget through Wildflower Birth Support. Yes. I, uh, she just was so huge in making this labor as amazing as it was for myself and my husband. I mean, it's not just for the mom. I mean, she was there for my husband just as much as she was for me. And this labor would have, would not have been what it was without her. So Bridget, I love you. I know she'll probably listen to this. So I'll link it on the show notes. I'll tell her yes. about it. Yeah. Yes. I was, an, I had an inkling that's who you were talking about, but yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Love Bridget. So, so I got checked. I was five centimeters and the good thing that came out of that is I was like, all right, let's get labor going. Like, let's, let's do some, I had been doing the same positions, the same thing. So I was like, let's get going. So I got in the shower at this point and I was in the shower for a bit, but it just wasn't, and it, it did help. My husband would kind of like spray my belly between contractions and then bam, my back during, and we had this really nice system but it just wasn't a bath in my head. I'm like, I really just want to be sitting in the water right now. So we were in that for a while. Um, and then I got out and kind of tried some hands and knees on the bed. And now, you know, we're going on a few more hours and I was just getting exhausted. So it was like 8.30 and I started talking about some pain management. And I knew that I didn't want an epidural for so many reasons more than like pain management. Like I didn't want to be stuck to my bed. I didn't want to be, you know, hooked up to the monitors. I wanted to be able to birth her how I felt like my body should birth her rather than being limited on my options. So I knew that wasn't what I wanted. But recently um, our area hospital approved nitrous oxide, which is laughing gas. So I was like, maybe that's what I want to try. And then I was too nervous because I, I've never had it for like the dentist or anything. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to react. So I ended up getting Nubane, which for those who don't know, they compare it to like a couple glasses of wine, just like takes the edge off. 
And I got it at about 8.45, and it really did help a lot. I was able to sleep. I, I laid down. I really got some good rest. My husband was able to sleep. My contractions spaced out a little bit, just enough where I was able to rest. So that was really wonderful and exactly what I needed in that time. And that lasted, it gave me like an hour, two hours probably. Um, so then once I kind of perked back up and woke up, I had that mindset of I'm rested now. Let's get things going again. I'm ready to get the show on the road. <laughs> so we had, we went back in the bathroom, just my husband and I, and Bridget kind of stood guard of the door and just let us have our time. We had the twinkle lights. It was nice and dark. And we got to have that sacred space of just us two in the bathroom. And I would, between contractions, I'd sit on the toilet. And then during a contraction, I'd kind of stand up and hold onto the sink and rock my hips. And we had this really, really nice system that I did for a while. And I think it was some of my best laboring. And the bathroom, it just, women labor so well in the bathroom because it's just, you know, it's your private space. You, when you're on the toilet, you can't help but to relax everything. So, And it's like a cave. That door's closed yeah. and you can, you, know, you feel more protected, I guess. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So that was, and I really felt that. And that was the wonderful thing is I, I felt protected and I felt safe. And I knew Bridget was there to kind of just buffer. Um, and then my, it was just my husband and I, and he was so amazing. And he would, they were all one. They were wonderful. Just giving me sips of water or giving me ice chips, so I stayed really hydrated. And we had this wonderful system going on the whole time, the whole bathroom, and we did that for quite a while. Um, and then they they came in about twelve thirty. So I love the rest of the story happens in an hour's time. So at about twelve thirty, they wanted to check me. They were like, "It's been six hours or so." we would like to see how you're doing. And I talked to my husband and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. I agree that I think we should be checked. Um, so at 1230, they checked me and I was seven centimeters and about 90% of face. And they said, we really think you would benefit from us breaking your water. And that was in one of my birth preferences that I did not want that. It was, they broke it um, when I was pregnant, when I was in labor with my son and I knew that once the waters were broken, like it, it is on labor is just inevitably gets more intense. And in my head, I'm like, I just, I just don't think I'm ready for that. I don't want the waters to be broken. I want them to break on their own. Um, but they felt that it would go quicker if my waters were broken. So Bridget kind of stepped in and she said, do you want to talk to, bill about this alone and I said yeah I do so everybody stepped out and I'm so glad she gave me this that little nudge to say do you want to talk to bill about this and I had this conversation with him and I said I said just that I'm like I just don't know if I can handle once the waters are broken but I know this kind of is what's needed at this point to get things going we were at 12:30 a.m. so I'd been there almost it was 11 hours at that point. So I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to have him do it. I'm just going to have him break it and we'll get things going. So at this point, I actually was laying on my left side. Baby's heart rate was dipping just a little bit. Nothing that was concerning, but enough that they wanted me on my left side for a little bit. So 
at the same moment that he goes to get everyone to tell them that I'm okay with it, I have a contraction. So I stand up real quick to, to labor through this contraction and my water breaks. So I love broke, that. Oh. I know on its own, on its own. On its own time, right. I mean, he was like opening the door to say, all right, she'll let you. And he was, and he was like, never mind. So we're like, yay, my body did it. Not you guys. I was so happy that it broke on its own. So that was, by the time we had the conversation, this was 1240 that the water broke on its own. Um, and it didn't take long. I was standing and laboring and it did not take long to really start feeling the pressure. And I remember saying, I don't feel like I have to push, but I just feel that when I'm bearing down a little bit through a contraction, it's just more comfortable. Like I'm just handling it better by bearing down. And then 10, 15 minutes after that, I had full urges to push. Like I was, I could not stop myself from bearing down. I was laying, they wanted me back on my side again because of the heart, baby's heart rate. And I couldn't stop myself. And one of the tricks that we learned in class was to say pop when you feel like you have to push, but you're not supposed to be pushing because you can't pop and push at the same time. So like my husband's in my face and he's like, pop, pop, pop. And Bridget is, I'm, I think I'm like breaking her fingers, holding on. And they're like, but you can't push. You're going to swell your cervix. You're not ready. And so they checked me just to see, because I felt like baby was coming and I was eight centimeters. And they're like, you really can't push. So I'm in my head. This is what's happening. I don't know if this is real, but I'm like, I want the epidural. Then you need to get me the epidural or you need to tell me what to do. And they're like, yeah yeah, we can get you an epidural, but we have to get a full bag of fluids in you before the anesthesiologist will even consult with you. And I was like, I don't have a full bag of fluids. I don't even have the next contraction. My body was pushing. I was not doing it. My body was pushing. Um, and that's something you can't stop. It's an involuntary, I, like the uterus, involuntary movement. There's no way you can pop, pop, pop all you want. That means yeah. you won't push, but it's yeah. going to do its own thing. Oh, and it was, my body was doing it. It was, there was no stopping that train. It was going. Um, so at, at one Oh six, that's when they checked me and I was eight centimeters and I just couldn't, I couldn't stop my body. So I, they said, you know what, let's check you one more time just to see. And at about 10, 15 minutes later, they checked me. And I remember her saying, do you want to push? I was like, yeah. She's like, go ahead and push your 10 centimeters. So Oh, sweet relief. So I'm still on my left side and I just bear down with everything because it just felt so good to not have to fight this push that was happening. Like I couldn't stop it. So I just gave into it. It was just sweet relief. And I was on my side and just not even really like a, a push that was doing anything, but it was just a, a push. And I remember Bridget saying, are you something like, are you comfortable like this? Or do you want to be pushing like this? And ideally, I actually wanted to use the squat bar, but I did not have time to even ask for the squat bar. So I whip over on my hands and knees and start pushing. And someone, I think my husband had raised the head of the bed up. So it was like 90 degrees, like an L. And I just leaned my arms over the top of the bed and just started pushing. And at that moment, my world was in my head. Like, I don't remember 
my husband. I don't remember the doctors or Bridget. I just remember being inside my own head and feeling everything. So I pushed her and I remember feeling her head just come down into my pelvis, being on my knees, up on my knees and just thinking, okay, this, this is a good feeling. Like I can, I'm going to give myself some time. I was able to kind of stop and I felt a contraction come and I wasn't really ready to push. So I, I stopped and the next contraction, I just, just bared down with everything I had. And it just was so such a relief. I loved the pushing stage. I know some women say the same thing and I felt her head come out and I still had a little bit of push in me and I pushed and then I felt her body just, just like flop out. And I was like, is that my baby? And she was born and I was still on my hands and knees. I was on my knees and they put her through my legs and we didn't know it was a girl. So the nurse kind of opened her legs and my husband and I got to find out that she was a girl together. And it was such an amazing moment. It was like exactly like I did it. And I, they talk about that oxytocin high after birth and oh my goodness, I was riding it. I was just, I couldn't stop smiling. I don't even think I cried because I just was smiling so big. I was like, I did it. I did it. I did it how I wanted to do it. I did it how my body wanted to do it. And she was here after all of that, she was here. So they helped me roll over to my back and I just put, I whipped off my gown, like just, I don't even, I think I threw it somewhere and put her on my chest and they let the cord pulse out and let me deliver my placenta on my own. And I just was smiling and laughing and I just was, I was riding that oxytocin. Oh, it was amazing. So she was born at 134. So it was 1225 when they checked me and I was seven centimeters. So that whole thing happened in an hour, mm-hmm. going from seven to birth to pushing her. And it was the quickest hour of my life. I feel like it was like 10 minutes, but it was really amazing. Ugh. That I am so like I just love hearing all that of so many intricacies that happened and that again birth is not linear like you went from eight to baby yeah in an yeah. hour when it took you you know however long twenty four hours to get to that point right right exactly um yeah it's just it happens so quickly it's it's you. So I, you know, I even look back and then they're like, oh, I was so defeated at five centimeters. But then I went from seven to 10 and yeah, you just can't predict it. And, um, it was just so amazing how it all happened and how how we just like escaped the induction and then my body did it. And yeah, we were absolutely on cloud nine, just couldn't stop smiling. Mm. I didn't even, I couldn't sleep. So she was born at one thirty AM and I didn't sleep because I was just so high on this oxytocin, so happy. I couldn't, couldn't close my eyes, couldn't get to sleep. Ugh. How, what was the most surprising part of all of this? Um, like something you didn't expect, like what was, yeah, the most unexpected, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think what I didn't expect is how much my body just did how much like I, I didn't think about things. And that's such a contrast to 
my first labor where it was like, all right, we're breaking your water. We're upping your Pitocin to make your contractions. We're doing this for you. And everything was managed. And then now I got to let my body do it. And I just, it was so amazing and crazy how much it did do. I mean, that's what we're made to do. That's what our bodies are made to do. And not that, I mean, it was surprising in a way because I hadn't dealt with it. I mean, everybody knows that that's what bodies are made to do, but it was a really great to just see it unfold. And I, I really appreciate the difference, the distinction and bringing and, and having people understand this, that an induction is a forced labor and about an induction is not labor because like sometimes your your own labor kicks in and goes into it and even overrides it and then you can just stop the induction process and just do labor like it'll switch over but sometimes it doesn't and you can have failed inductions that they do all they can and you know by that time probably your water's also broken and they've done the pitocin up to the maximum and back down and max up to the maximum you know mm-hmm. a couple of times and and then you're at a dead end, and the only exit is a cesarean, which if you got to that point, that's that. Right. But right. It, it is a completely different feeling of of that, just that, that an induction is not labor. And I know that sounds really harsh to some people, but yeah. I, I think we need to understand and broadcast that, that it doesn't yeah. mean that sometimes they're needed and they're needed that they save lives. That's great. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. But know that it's two different feelings. It is. And like, I, I am a true test of that. Like I, I've gone through it and I, I went through one and I went through another and I can, they are so different and, and induction is hard. I mean, it's a, it's a hard labor and not that labor isn't because it's obviously called labor for a reason, but it's just very, very different. Um, so to be able to just experience what labor is meant to be, I was so thankful for that. Mm. So then, how did your postpartum's differ? Did in yeah <laughs> from yeah. these different births? <laughs> yeah. So um, I think so. Ten years ago—that's a long. I mean, it's a long time. And the resources that were out there ten years ago were so much different at least that I have found or that I've seen. Um, so I think that I had a little bit of postpartum depression with my 10 year old, with my now 10 year old, but I didn't know the signs. I didn't know what to look for. And it's only kind of now that I see that maybe that's what that was. And with this birth, it was about maybe seven or eight weeks. I just started to not feel like myself. Um, just, I would be really sad. I would cry a lot. I, I couldn't put my finger on why or what I was feeling. I just knew that there was just kind of this, this like dark feeling inside of me, but it wasn't most of the time. Most of the time I felt totally fine and I had a million reasons to be happy and things to be thankful for, but I couldn't put my finger on it. So I was talking to a friend and she had gone through something similar and it was such a relief to know that I wasn't alone and that it's normal. And so I, it prompted me to call my doctor and just say, I'm not feeling like myself. And I went in and 
this is, I mean, this is, I was like seven or eight weeks postpartum. So I had already had my six week appointment and I was fine at my six week appointment. So I went in and sat down and I just sobbed. I just is in the doctor's office and just sobbed and said, I, I don't know why I feel this way. Like I don't, don't get it because there's no reason nothing's happening. And she said, you're not alone. This is so incredibly common. And that's the hardest part about any postpartum mood disorders. I mean, there's postpartum anxiety and depression. And now with the movie Tolly that's out, postpartum psychosis is kind of being talked about. And dads can go through postpartum depression. It's not just for moms. Um, but she said it's so normal and we are missing this in women because we see you at six weeks and then we don't see you again for another six months. You know, we see you at six months and we are missing so much of this because, you know, we see you every week while you're pregnant. We see, see you while this baby is in you and then baby's born and it's like, where, where's the care? So she's like, the biggest thing is that you're here, that you made the phone call. And I just want moms to know that, I mean, if you feel that way, you're not alone. You are probably in the majority. And if you talk to somebody else, it's likely that they probably have felt the same way at, at some point. So it's so important to recognize and talk about it and know, and you know, everybody is different in their levels of, you know, feeling it. And I think that's why I didn't, I didn't think anything of it because I, it wasn't all the time. It was just maybe once, once a week, a couple days a week. Um, but it's definitely worth it to talk to somebody and to know that you're not alone. Talk to another mom, talk to a doctor, you know, there's definitely ways to treat it or manage it. Hmm. And, and that was around seven to 10 weeks. Like yeah. when you reached out amazing, talk yeah. to your doctor, acknowledge that there was something up and how about we explore it? Just like you would explore if you had a pain somewhere in your body, right? Exactly. Yes. Um, and so what happened afterwards was, if you'd like to share, how long did it last? Did it go away? Did you do anything in particular? Just in your yeah. case. Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, I think once I had went to the doctor, they did prescribe me uh, a medication, which I haven't taken, but I have it. So I think it's good to know that it's there if I need it. Um, I still get my days. I, I still have it. Most days, like I said, I'm fine. Um, they suggested counseling. So those are two options. Um, but I think knowing that I was kind of on their radar and hearing from, from my doctor that it's normal and that it was great that I was, that I just made the phone call and had went in and this is really common. All of that just helped me. And the days that I am feeling that way, I can, I just know that I'm not alone. And if I needed to, I could go back to the doctor or if I really needed to, I could take this medication. Um, and they also looked at some of my levels, you know, that there could be a reason you know, pregnancy and birth and labor throw everything out of whack, you know, the chemical composition in your brain and your, you know, your blood levels. There's a lot of different deficiencies you could have. So it's definitely worth getting those looked at to see if maybe that's causing or that's, that's a reason. So yeah, and it is such a complex switch, you know, just how, mm -hmm. just like the baby has to adapt to this whole thing of 
being in the life in the womb to life in air and all the different processes that have to switch over so that they can breathe and temperature regulate and all, you know, something similar happens within your body on your hormones because right. to have the baby and have the placenta be kind of leading your your own body's system to manage your hormones kind of shuts down a little bit and your immune mm -hmm. system goes down so that your placenta can start regulating, be be the conductor of those hormones a little bit. And the placenta's gone and your body has to <laughs> has to kick in and it's and it hasn't done yeah. it for nine months. So right. there are chances for things being a little rusty or needing more help. Um and right. you have things that develop like hy hyper hypo. I am so rusty with this myself. Um, problems with the thyroid. Um, yeah. Yep. And even Hashimoto's disease. So I'm going to link on the show notes to uh, the episode. Uh, I'm guessing you listen to it with Jolene Brighton on mm -hmm. hormones after birth because mm -hmm. it fits into this very nicely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy to kind of say well, I'm exhausted, I'm not sleeping well, I'm not eating well, you know, I'm just kind of getting by and maybe that's why I'm I'm not feeling like myself. But I mean, it could be those things definitely don't help anything that's already there, but that's not necessarily the case. It's worth to check it out, get absolutely. help. Like just absolutely. know, totally normal to get help. Yes. Absolutely. So before we close, Danielle, is there anything else that you wanted to make sure you said, shared that we've left out? Or do you have any like last parting words for our listeners out there? Um, I think the biggest thing is, is to be an advocate for yourself. I think that's what my husband and I learned along the way. And if I could pass one thing on to another mom is just advocate and like, know, know what your options are know what might be necessary or what might not be necessary. And don't be afraid to say no to a doctor because I think we kind of look at them like they're this authoritarian figure and we have to do what they say. And although what they say and recommend may be a good decision or the best decision, you have the right to know that that you know, and there might be another option. So advocate and do your research. And I, I gave the link for evidence-based birth. That's a great website for so many things um, to kind of, if you are not sure about something, if there's, if you've been diagnosed with something or you're not sure, there's a lot of great information on that website to really give you a solid foundation of knowledge to be able to go back to your doctor and say, this is what I think or want or know, or what do you think about this? So advocacy be an advocate mm -hmm. and i love the giving yourself permission to ask questions yes yes because we feel like yeah if you don't understand what's going on ask a question yeah. if you're not unsure ask a question just get clarification and there's no there's time <laughs> um, mm -hmm. yeah unless it's a medical emergency if it's a medical emergency the room will feel will fill up with people and there won't be like they will be acting very quickly and things are going to get done unless that's happening right there is right. time for your questions exactly. you know time for you and your husband to think about it and everybody step absolutely. out of the room i love that moment yeah i do too i'm so thankful for that yeah absolutely so cool Danielle, thank you so, so, so very much for coming on the show and sharing 
your stories and all this transformation. Yes, thank you for having me. I love sharing my stories. I hope that the listeners enjoy it. Mighty Ones, check out the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages, and much more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful, so do come say hi. And if you are in the last months of pregnancy and feeling unprepared for going home with a new baby, then do go register for my Thrive with Your Newborn online postpartum preparation classes at birthfulcourses.com so you can get ready and even enjoy those first few weeks with your baby. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful Megan Othling and the people at Simply Breastfeeding and Expectful. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Also, the Birthful Podcast is part of the Parents on Demand Network, a network of podcasts for parents and families. Download the free Parents on Demand's app on Apple and Android for easy on-the-go listening. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me Wednesday when I'll be talking to a maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous birthful library. Happy listening.